Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Welcome to worship. I might not be what you were expecting to see on the screen today, but praise the Lord, I've been given the opportunity to preach today, to bring God's Word. Uh, I'm humbled by this. I'm excited about the opportunity. We've been working through uh, a sermon series uh, entitled Abide, and it is all about the what scholars call the upper room discourse. It starts over in chapter uh, 13 of the Gospel of John and moves right through uh, on into chapter 17 where he f- he f- Jesus finishes up with his priest, high priestly prayer. So this is basically what's going on right here is Jesus in the upper room before he goes to the cross. So this is incredibly important to to focus on. These are the last words spoken by Christ before his passion. Not not only is is that amazing and in in and of itself of the utmost importance and we should be making very important in our lives. But it was written by the last surviving disciple. John, when he wrote this gospel, was advancing in years, and he was the last remaining disciple. So these were the last words he wrote. Uh, the last disciples, the last words, and, and the gospel of John is also the last book written. Uh, I know it's in the beginning of the in, beginning of the New Testament, but it is one. Of the, it is the last book written, and then added to the, the Bible as we have it. So it's the last words of Jesus before he goes to the cross, written by the last disciple who 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 then was writing his last words to be recorded as the last book in the Bible that we have. Uh, in this precious compilation of God's story with us. So this is very, very important. And here we are in, in, the, in chapter 16, nearing the end of chapter 16 and then into 17. We're nearing the end of the discourse. So it's sort of coming to a close. And Jesus has been telling them kinds of hard truths, um, all sort of wrapped around the thought that he is going away. Jesus is telling them, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. And it's actually better for you that I go away and then I come back. And he was, he's trying to tell them this hard truth of what's going to happen later that night and then in the days to come and all beyond. And he's also comforting them in the process. Uh, Jesus isn't this one, isn't the kind of person that uh, he wasn't, the and he's not the kind of God that would just drop these atom bomb-like truths on people and just leave it with them. He, he would comfort them. He, Jesus referred to his disciples in this upper room discourse as his little ones. He called them technia, my little ones, my babies. It was his pet name for them. He loved them and he hurt 
for them. But he had to do what he was called to do. And the disciples were confused by it. He kept telling them, I'm going away, but I'm come, I'll come back. You know, in a little while, I'm going to go away. In a little while, I'll be back. And, and it was very confusing to them. And there was this uncertainty. I see all that they had ever heard that about Messiah, about the, about, um, the Christ, was that he was going to come and, and lead them to victory. And they had in their minds this powerful military leader that was going to lead them in, uh, to victory against all those who would oppress them. So they were confused by the events and they were uncertain with what was happening. Confusion and uncertainty. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar with maybe what our present circumstances are. We found ourselves in the midst of confusing, uncertain times. Things that have been so taken for granted have been taken away. I, I know from my personal experience, the places where I struggle have been intensified because of that. I wonder if it's the same for you. I wonder if you're confused, and if you're, and your confusion has grown, grown greater. I wonder if you were uncertain about something, and your uncertainty has, an intense, has intensified. If you're watching today, and you feel this sort of confusion, and you feel this sort of uncertainty, I just want to tell you that Jesus is the answer. Jesus feels for you the way he felt for his disciples. He still feels for them now. He loves you. You are his technia, his little ones. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're a believer today, I want this time to remind you of that Jesus. That he is deeply concerned for you and where you are. He is not a savior who is a stranger to our sufferings. He sees you. He knows your name. He wants to hold you. I want to remind you of that. And if you're watching today and it's th this confusion and this uncertainty has sent you to, to look, to search. You're looking for answer. I, maybe you've never watched a, a, a religious service before. Maybe you're tuning in. You're just grasping for, for something, something to make sense of what you're feeling, what you're going through, and all that's going on around you. I just want to tell you that Jesus is the answer. And I want to invite you to him today. In both cases, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, I invite you to follow Christ today. If you're an unbeliever, let me tell you how that works. First, you admit that you don't have control. That it, to, the, to the best of your ability, you've tried to control things and now things are just a mess and you're searching and you need something. You just admit that. Admit that that's the case. That you, the more you try for calm, you just get chaos. Admit that. And understand that what causes that chaos is what God calls sin. 
It's our desire for what we want. In whatever the circumstance. Understand that it's called sin. You admit that. That my life is chaotic and it's due mostly to my sin. You admit that. Then you believe that Jesus is the one who came to bring that chaos back into order. To give you purpose for your life. See, that sin that causes that chaos also separates us from God. The Bible said for, says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then it says, the wages of sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, in our natural state, we are separated from Christ. We're separated from God. And it's our sin that separates us. And what that earns us, the wages of that sin, is death. But Jesus is the antidote. He has come. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son to come and be with us. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal, everlasting life. And that everlasting life starts at the moment you choose to follow him. So you admit, you, you admit your part in this. You believe what Jesus' part is in this. And then you trust. You trust God because of Jesus with the rest of your life whatever that looks like. Don't wait to, to clean yourself up. Just come to him. And, 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 and humbly, in and, and, and that honesty, I admit, God, my part in this, and I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did. And will you please save me? Will you please come in and make, to my life and make order of this chaos? And I trust you now with all the days that I have left. Would you teach me how to live for you? That's what I'm inviting you today, to today, as an unbeliever. As a believer, I'm just remind, I just want to remind you of what Jesus has done. Jesus knew that in this discourse, it was reaching its end. And so once again... In these verses in chapter 16, Jesus gives them a difficult truth and then he comforts them. All right? So let's pick up this discourse right here in John chapter 16, verse 16 through 24. I'm going to read these, my, my birthday present for my 40th birthday. <laughs> I'm not near 40 anymore, but here's my present. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, from the English Standard Version, I'm asking you to read along with uh, your device or your Bible, wherever you are. Verse 16. A little while and you will see me no longer. <clears throat> and again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is, that he, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? And again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what, 
uh, they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that, he, that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Let's pray together. God, here we are in your presence. We've worshipped you. Uh, we've been led by our, our choir. We've been led by our staff uh, and musicians uh, to come into your presence and just make much of you. We've done that now. We've given you honor and glory. And now we pray in the name of Jesus that you would change us with your word. Reveal to us, Holy Spirit, the truth of this word. And those who are not followers of Christ, I pray that today as they watch, even now, they would make that decision to follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. There are four thoughts I have for you today uh, concerning this scripture. And you have gotten those in, uh, via email. And you can open up the outline now and you can follow along and fill in your blanks as we go. And the first thought I have in this, in this passage that we're looking through is, that, is this. We're just going to break it down into four parts. Number one. Jesus predicts his death. That's what he's saying in a little while, and in, a, and in another little while. He's predicting his death. Let's read that again in verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. You know, let me just, let me just be honest with you. As, as I've said before, sometimes when I'm reading the word, uh, I just get lost in the, in the construct of the sentence and I just cannot, it's just cumbersome to me. And this is one of those places where it's hard enough to read it, much more understand what Jesus is saying here. So it's, I think it's important that we take it slowly and we break it down and we try to figure out what, God, what Jesus is saying and we read what, G, what Jesus said about what he said to help us understand. 
Some say here, uh, some, when I say some, I'm talking about scholars. There are some scholars who say that what Jesus is talking about there, you know, in a, a little while and you will see me no longer, and then again in a little while you will see me, that in a little while, the first little while when you're not, and you won't see me is referring to the cross and his crucifixion or maybe his ascension into heaven. And that the other little while is at the, at the end of the tribulation. And that that's when we're going to see Jesus. That's what he was talking about. Well, that doesn't sound like a little while to me. It's already been over 2,000 years. I don't, I'm not sure that that's what Jesus meant. In my opinion, that's just too much time. And some other scholars say that Jesus is talking about, in a little while you won't see me, that's when he goes to the grave, and then in a little while you will see me again, that was his resurrection. Well, my problem with that interpretation is that that's only about 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven, and he's gone again. I mean, if that, was, if that were the case, then wouldn't he have said, and then in another little while you won't see me, and then in a really, really long while you'll see me again talking about the tribulation. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. What I feel like makes more sense here, and what Jesus is saying here, is that he is going to go away, and all of that includes his death, burial, resurrection, and then his ascension into heaven. And, but then he will come back. And I, think, I believe what Jesus is talking about right here is when Holy Spirit came. Forty days after his ascension into heaven at Pentecost. Especially since he is, he's alluded to that, and not alluded to it, he's talked about it in this upper room discourse, is that this helper is going to come. And he's, he's, he's telling them, I'm going away, but Holy Spirit's coming. So that's what I'm, I, I believe Jesus is talking about right there. That he's, go, he's going away, but just for a little while. And then Holy Spirit is going to return. It's, and, it's, and, and Jesus himself said, that it's a, something bad, I'm going to go away and something better's coming. And it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, and uh, not that Holy Spirit is more important than Jesus. It's, it's, it was better in that Holy Spirit lives and indwells every believer. Wow. That was what Jesus was trying to get them ready for. But they struggled with it. And so they, what, after Jesus predicted his death, that leads me to thought too, which is, in, is this. The disciples were per, perplexed by Jesus' prediction. There's a lot of P's in that. The disciples were perplexed by Jesus' prediction. Look at verses 17 through 19. Um, Jesus says, or the Bible says, So some of his disciples said to one another, What is that? What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does it mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me. And, a and again a little while and you will see me. I think it would help us understand the disciples' perplexion by understanding their perspective. See, we have a very different perspective from the disciples. We have a post-resurrection perspective. The disciples 
didn't. They had a pre-resurrection, pre-crucifixion, pre-death, um, burial, resurrection, ascension uh, perspective. They didn't have, they don't know that. that, that we have to understand the history of, of crucifixion, the history of all of that. It, um, when we look at the cross, we see the symbol of our salvation. When the disciples looked at the cross, they saw a symbol of Roman imperialism. Something that they held over the heads of all, all of the conquered peoples. Anyone who uprises, uh, anyone who causes dissension, anyone who would plan to do harm against the great empire of Rome, this is what befalls you. They would line the roads with crosses and people crucified. The, 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 the thieves and the, the, the rabble-rousers and those who would try to cause um, um, fights and, and try to uprise and, and, and rebel against the, the great, mighty empire of Rome. The, they didn't see the cross with the tender th tenderness that we see it. They saw it as a place of, of capital punishment. So we have to understand the disciples' perspective. Here, here's an another thing that is incredibly important, that Jesus is trying to prepare them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. See, no one had, this, this no one ever experienced life with Holy Spirit. He hadn't come. Only in certain instances in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit had not come. You and I, believers and non-believers alike, we have never known a world without Holy Spirit. Either indwelling us or indwelling the ones that we come in contact on a daily basis. The, the disciples knew nothing of this. They had a very different perspective. So looking at what Jesus is saying through those lenses would cause a perplexity where it doesn't for us. So I know when, before I've come, before I matured and grew in Christ, I would look at the, this and say, how do you not know what he's talking about? He's right there. They had a very different perspective from the perspective that, that I have. Praise God. Praise God for his mercy and his grace and for Holy Spirit that lives in us and in those around us. We have to understand the disciples were perplexed by this prediction. So Jesus predicts his death and the disciples were perplexed by that prediction and here we are Jesus the comforter. Jesus who is, who is deeply in love with his followers, with his disciples, his little ones, his babies. His technia. And he, in thought three, Jesus explains his prediction with a parable. Let's read this parable together, verses 20 through 22. And Jesus says here, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy 
that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus begins this parable with the words, truly, truly. Now, we don't talk like that anymore. Maybe your description of your, uh, your version of Scripture says, verily, verily. Truly, truly. Um, this, we don't, we don't talk like this anymore, but what this might, what it might look like in our present day conversation would be, would be this. Listen to me. Don't miss this. If you've not heard anything else I've said, don't miss this. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, what's coming next is very important and explains this. You know, just like a mom, a mother, feels sorrow, uh, the sorrow of the labor that because her time has come, the fullness of time has come. But just like that mom feels that pain, that hurt, that maybe anxious because of the pain she, if she's had given birth before, she knows it's coming, or if she's never given birth and never experienced it and heard all the stories, she's just like, oh man, this is going to hurt just like that, that's what you feel now. But, but in the same way, when the baby comes, the sorrow was replaced with joy. I'm, I'm going to go away, but your sorrow is going to be replaced with joy. Your sorrow will be replaced with joy. Now, I, I am certainly not one who can speak on a, with authority on what it feels like to give birth to a child. Never done that. Thank God for women <laughs> for a whole lot of reasons. But may, well, one big one is that if it were up to men to have babies, well, we just this human race would just die out. We don't like to do things that hurt. We like to think we do, but we not like this. Uh, and, and my only experience with that is being with Leanne, my precious wife. Uh, at the birth of two of our children. And uh, I know I could tell, not because I could feel it, but because I could see in her the, the pain, the anguish, if you will, the labor of giving birth. But I also could see how that sorrow was replaced with joy when our children were placed in her arms. What a beautiful sight that was. And Jesus is telling them, the disciples, your sorrow, oh yeah, you're going to weep. You're going to lament. And what makes it even worse, the world around you is going to be jumping and skipping and happy. 
but that sorrow will be replaced with joy. And listen, I want you, I want you, I want you to see this. <clears throat> he says, but so also in verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy from you. No one will take your joy from you. Look, when Holy Spirit comes into the life of a believer, you, no one can take that from me. You can take everything I have. Every, the world can take everything I have, all my riches, all, all my, my reputation, my, my, uh, my retirement, uh, my home, my family, everything. Everything could be taken from me, but no one can take Holy Spirit from me. No one. That joy, no one can take from me. Praise God. Praise God. So Jesus explains that childbirth analogy. And uh, I want to read this uh, quote to you from John MacArthur. Uh, that explaining this, this parable Jesus just tells. The Lord was not saying, now listen. The Lord was not saying that the event causing their sorrow would be replaced by an event producing joy but rather that the same event, the cross, that caused their mourning would be the cause of their joy. The same event that caused their mourning would be the cause of their joy. You know, the joy of a child is not in spite of the labor. The joy of the child is, comes because of the labor. The joy of our salvation comes because of the cross. Praise God. The dark shadows of sorrow and grief cast by the cross fled before the brilliant glorious light of the resurrection and the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Y'all, the cross of Jesus would never, ever be seen the same. We see the cross now the way we see it because we're on this side. The disciples got there. Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> the rest of the story, the disciples got there. Oh, did they ever get there. Oh, did they ever understand. So not only uh, was there a prediction and a perplexity and then a, an, an ex explanation through a parable, and thought number four is this, Jesus comforts the disciples with a promise. He comforts the disciples with a promise, thought for. Verse 23 and verse 24 says this. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask 
of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus says here, in that day, um, and what he's talking about when in, in that in verse twenty three, when he says in that day, he's talking about when we res- when when the Holy Spirit came, it was coming at Pentecost. When we look we look back in that day, Jesus was talking about when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and now he indwells the in uh, the lives of every believer, the the bodies of every believer. Okay, and, and, he, and then he says you will ask nothing of me see what Jesus is referring to here is that even up to this point the disciples were now who are you now you're the you're the son of God you have to understand that was a completely total foreign concept to any Jew they had they had an idea of God the father way out here way out there but never close. They had an idea of their father, uh, their father being Abraham, or, or the, you know, which begat the nation of Israel, or that their father was Israel. Either that or God, the father way out there, they had no concept of God the Son who would dwell with them, who would love them, who would comfort them who would laugh with them and cry with them, and then in his darkest hour call them technia, my little ones, my babies. They had no concept of that. And this whole while, you are, who, who are you? Who, who are you? Who? Why do you think Jesus asked him, who do people say that I am? Is anybody getting this? He's saying, in that day when Holy Spirit comes, you won't have those questions of me anymore. Holy Spirit will make clear to the disciples who Jesus is. Oh, and did they ever get it? Did they ever understand? Also in that day, it would also become very, very clear to them why he had to die. And after he, after he says that in verse 23, he says, truly, truly, once again. Again, he's saying, he's, he's leaning in here. Listen, guys, listen, my sweethearts, listen. What I'm about to say is very important to you. And in essence, what he was saying is, until now, uh, uh, whatever, or whatever you ask of me, in the fa- uh, ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and that your joy may be full. You know, I can't imagine ending a prayer without praying in Jesus' name. That never happened before Jesus. No one knew him. No one prayed in Jesus' name. I can't imagine not praying in the name of Jesus. And with Holy Spirit indwelling me. And indwelling in you as a believer. Living in us. 
our thoughts, our actions, our words become his. And the reality of all that it is for Holy Spirit to indwell us and then consequently will become the greatest of joy. The disciple, Jesus was telling them, when you, when Holy Spirit comes and his thoughts become your thoughts, my thoughts become your thoughts, God the Father's thoughts become your thoughts. When our thoughts become your thoughts, our words become your words, our actions become your actions, then you will ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Because it's impossible in that place to ask for something that doesn't bring absolute glory to God. He was telling them in that day, that will be the greatest joy. And, in, and when we understand that today, you and I, it's our greatest joy. We get Jesus. We get Jesus. That is our greatest joy. His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God Almighty, the one who spoke in the worlds came into being, who tells the waves how far to come up on the shore, the, the one who allowed his creation to kill him and then put him in a grave and then he raised himself from the dead. It is that God, that Jesus, it is that spirit that lives in us and we can get through this together. Whatever's facing you, how dark your sorrow how bleak your situation, how great your calamity. It is that spirit that lives in you and me. It is, he is with us, in us, teaching us, convicting us, and comforting us until his glorious return. Wow! What a promise! What a promise. So I invite you that, to that today. I'm asking you now, if you're a believer, and maybe you've lost your way a little bit in these crazy circumstances, I'm asking you, follow Christ. I'm asking you to pray today. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, Lord. At the cross, you beckon me. You bring me gently to my knees. I'm lost for words, so lost in love. Sweetly broken, holy surrender. Come to Him. Be reminded of the great power 
that indwells you. It's not you, but the one in you. The one who's traded lives with you. Come to, come to that remembrance. And if you're listening today and, and you're not a follower, and, that was, and you were so intrigued by what it means, how, how to become a follower of Christ, and you, you want to have this relationship with this Jesus like He had with His disciples and, and like He has with others around you, you want to be one of the technia, one of His little ones. I invite you to pray and tell Him that. You don't have to use my words. Here's an example. You can use your own words, but here's an example. You just pray. Okay, Lord. I heard what that guy said. And uh, I've tried it my way. And I've broken a lot of things. A lot of relationships. I've broken my life a lot. And I just want to admit that to you. And I want to say to you, I'm sorry. And I believe. I don't know. I believe in you, Jesus. I don't know all that that means. I don't know what all that means. But I want to learn. I want to know. Will you show me? Will you teach me? Will you lead me, convict me, teach me, coach me, comfort me? All those things that... that they talked about at church today. You do that. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, God. I trust you, Jesus, with my life. Will you take my life such that it is and glorify yourself, make it something that's useful to you. And then you pray in Jesus' name. Look, if you've prayed that prayer today, it, or if you if you need counsel, especially if you've prayed this prayer today, and you or you need counseling, would you please contact us? Will you please call us at the church house, First Baptist Church? Uh, you also, or you can go on our website at www.fbcvision.com, and you can contact us there. You can talk to a minister. Or just look, hey, come by. We're on Blue Ridge Street right off the square in Blairsville, Georgia. You come see us. We want to tell you what comes next. We want to walk with you. We don't want you to be alone. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today in worship. I have loved being here with you. And uh, you be safe. You love God, you love others, and you love yourself. We'll see you next time.